630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, so the Eskimos now drafting 61st overall. They've taken linebacker Doug Parrish out of Western Oregon. He was born in Edmonton, moved away when he was uh, about a year old. His dad, also Doug Parrish, was a CFL player, uh, a linebacker himself uh, who uh, played with Edmonton and Sacramento from 1991 to 1994. So Doug Parrish, the second junior, whatever you want to call him, who uh, was a part of the 93 Eskimos championship team. Uh, Doug Parrish Jr. now drafted by the Green and Gold. He'd been going to Western Oregon. The uh, first pick for the Eskimos today, eighth overall receiver, Tavon Smith out of Iowa. Very exciting player, uh, 6'2", 200 pounds, but he uh, may be playing in the NFL this season. He's currently in uh, spring camp with the Indianapolis Colts. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 8.06, 3-1, the Penguins leading the Capitals a minute and a half into the third period as the Penguins try to finish off that series. Your scoreboard update for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. Well, Fort McMurray has been uh, dominating the news, obviously, for the past week or so, and a bit of a sports angle to that though there are certainly things more important than sports but it will impact a pretty popular team in that city and that is the Fort McMurray Oil Barons their coach and general manager is Tom Kekka who joins us on the line now Tom you're on with Reed great to have you on the show man how are you doing thanks a lot man I really appreciate it I'm doing outstanding how are you doing well I'm doing well it's good to talk to you again uh, probably the first interview we've done not wow. in the hallway at the Lloydminster Civic Center when you were uh, the coach there about uh, uh, 10 years ago or, or so. Uh, you're now in Fort McMurray, which I, which I know is a city you love. You always spoke very highly of it. And uh, the last week or so, uh, I know you're a positive guy and you said you're outstanding, but it, it has to have been a tough eight or nine days here. Well, you know what? It seems like it's been, you know, a, a month or a year since we've been able to be home. So, um, but somebody um, on Facebook, and thank God for social media. I'm not a, a big lover of Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, but, um, you know, it really has been very helpful in the last week just connecting with people to make sure that everybody's okay. But uh, somebody did point out that it's been a week since we were uh, very quickly evacuated from our homes. Tom, what can you tell me? about that day because you know i'm following it just from what the ched newsroom is, is telling people and it just seemed to get worse and worse whenever you heard a news update what what was last monday and then i guess into tuesday when the evacuation started what was that like yeah i mean the, the one thing that i'll never forget is just how quickly everything escalated we actually had a spring camp in calgary on the weekend we were driving home uh, dave dupont my assistant coach uh, Peter Spears, our trainer, we were driving back into Fort McMurray. And, I mean, you saw a little bit of smoke off to the side. But, I mean, living up in Fort McMurray basically my whole life, that, that this is just the norm for the springtime, that transition from winter to spring. Um, so we didn't really think anything um, of it. Monday came and went. And then, you know what, Tuesday morning, 
was like any other other morning. Uh, the kids went off to school. My wife went to work. Uh, we were at the rink all morning, and we were following the USHL draft, actually, and some of the recruits that, that we have coming up to Fort McMurray. And, and then around 12.30 or 1 o'clock, you know, Petey, my trainer, went out the side exit of the rink and, and basically was motioning for us to come over and see, you know, what was going on. And we, when we looked out, we were just amazed at the amount of smoke. Um, and at that time, over the radio, uh, we were informed that the, the fire had jumped the Athabasca and, and it had um, made its way to where the golf course is and then up a hill where there was a big residential area. So, to be honest, within the span of about an hour, we went from, you know, realistically not having a care in the world to, to being told, you know, get home, pack a bag, and, and we're under evacuation. And um, it, it really, uh, you know, you try and be the voice of reason, and, you know, my wife was, was panicking, and you know, I was trying to calm her down, but we got home, and, and we packed a bag. Well, we've got three beautiful kids, and, and we were trying to be calm, but it was also, um, you know, time to get out of town. What what were those um, you know moments like? I mean, when you're getting out of your home, is the fire threatening your neighborhood? Were, were you driving down roads where there were trees on fire next to you? I mean, how severe was that? Oh well, you know what? There was the way everything worked. It worked. We were we were very lucky. I, I'm extremely lucky to be where I am today. Um, but you know what? It was one of those things where. We knew that the fire was close, but we had no idea how close. And when they said, you know, it was a mandatory evacuation, um, actually Dave Dupont, my assistant coach, who's from Kelowna, doesn't doesn't really know that many people, and he didn't have any gas in his vehicle. And so he said, listen, I'm sitting on my back deck, and he says, Cax, I'm seeing fire. I said, well, like, get out of there, man. Like, come over. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll get out of town. And at that point, they were telling everybody to go north of the city. There was no option. You know, if you were going to get out of Fort McMurray that afternoon, it was going to have to be north. So we waited, and really, at, when we look back, there was about two hours there where I had to wait for Dave to go try and get gas, which he couldn't, but he was gridlocked. You weren't moving, um, and that was the concern. So, um, I mean, I hate telling people this, but there was about an hour there where I actually got up on top of my roof of my house, and I'm scared of heights. I climbed a, the ladder, and I watered my house. You know, we had a firefighter who, who told us, you know, if you've got half an hour to kill, you know, maybe put your sprinkler on top of your house just to, you know, wet it. And I got up there, my wife passed me uh, a hose, and then until Dave got there, I was watering my, my roof. So um, there came a time when my wife finally said, okay, listen, enough is enough, we got to get going. And really the only time that I was worried was we were on one of the main um, streets um, in gridlock. We maybe traveled in 100 meters over an hour and a half, and I remember looking out my rearview mirror and seeing fire in the in the bush uh, behind us. And I looked off to the right, and it was just all smoke. And we were in gridlock; we weren't moving. And read honestly, I thought, okay, okay, what what are we going to do? Like we're 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 done. Like, you know, they heard at us, which they had to do. Um, but nobody was moving. The fire was behind us. Um, and I thought, you know, if I have to get out and run here with my kids, where are we going to run to? Um, and again, luckily, a policeman came about five minutes later. Um, informed us that they had managed to open up the highway going south. Uh, so you know what? We pulled a U-turn. We went down the other way, down Thickwood Boulevard. Um, I don't have the, the tails where there was fire on both sides and it was just all black. You know, it, it was you could see there were fires, but we, we were very fortunate to get out. Um, and we were actually in Beaumont at my parents' place by about 4 o'clock uh, in the morning, um, Wednesday morning. Tom Kekka is the general manager and coach of the Fort McMurray Oil Baron. So you've been safe. Is it in Beaumont for the last week? Well, you know what? I, we, we spent two days there, and then right now, actually, I'm down in Calgary with my okay. sister. 
Um, you know, she's got three uh, three boys who, you know, and I've got three kids. So the six cousins, uh, you know, have an opportunity to spend some time together. And, you know, we obviously know the extent to what's happening. My 12-year-old daughter, Maya, knows sort of what's going on. But, um, you know, Max, who's 10, and Carter, who's 8. I mean, to them, this is just a vacation. This is awesome. Um, you know, they get to spend time with their family. So, um, you know, we, we've tried to shield them as best we can. But also having said that, we've tried to, you know, put some normalcy in their lives. So my boys actually started school here today in, uh, you know, in Calgary along with my daughter. My, my youngest played baseball for the first time yesterday on, a, on an organized team. My boy had taekwondo today. My daughter's at figure skating. So um, the um, the city of Calgary has been very accommodating to us, as they have been with a lot of the um, evacuees, and, and we're um, forever grateful for that. Do you, do you know the state of your house right now? You know what? We, we think that it, we're pretty sure that it's okay. We were, again, lucky where Dickensfield was an area that wasn't hit, um, which is amazing because if you know Fort McMurray, you know that a lot of the thickwood area is, is surrounded by trees, but, but we were, were fortunate. I mean, the, the first responders, the, the firefighters, They've just done an amazing job, and their heroism that they've, you know, demonstrated over the last week is basically what is what has saved our city. Um, how's the arena? The arena is good as well. I mean, first first and foremost, all of our staff members um, and people that work for our organization got out safely, which is great. Um, and, and the rink is is what we've been told is untouched, which is which is also great for us because, um, listen, I mean, our first goal is is to rebuild our community, and there's no doubt in my mind that we will accomplish that. Um, and having said that, I think that one of the things that may help that healing process is having, you know, our oil barons trying to forge ahead and, and to be as normal as we can. I mean, I'm still here in Calgary um, recruiting kids as best we can, and, and we want to try and ice a team um, to be as competitive as, as we, we possibly can for next year. Well, and that led into my next couple of questions. And you and I both know we're extremely lucky to be employed because of uh, because of the sports world. Uh, but, I mean, sports is important. And I know the oil barons are really important to, to that community. And, and while that might not be a priority, I'm sure as, as people are able to go back to Fort McMurray, for a lot of people there, part of their normal, everyday life is following the oil barons and, and, and going to games. I mean, are you confident that you'll be able to proceed enough that and still recruit that that you know you'll you'll have a team there won't have to be a year off or anything like that i'm i'm hoping i mean it really is too early for us to 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 know uh, my hope is that we can my hope is that we can get back sooner rather than later because listen my my first goal as a as a father and as a husband was to get my family out safe um, I was I was able to accomplish that. Now I want to get back in and help rebuild our community. And if you know anything about Fort McMurray, you know that it's a special place because there are people from all over the world that come to Fort McMurray to, for a better life. Uh, and a lot of people are able to do that. And I think, um, you know, the, the spirit that we have in Fort McMurray, the, the, the togetherness, uh, which we will definitely lean on to rebuild our city, is, is going to be paramount. But like I said, I mean, if we can do anything as an oil baron family, I think that that's, that's important as well. If we can give people, uh, you know, two and a half hours on a Friday or Saturday night to come and watch a, a good quality hockey in the Alberta Junior Hockey League um, and maybe just take their mind off of, you know, their troubles, I mean, that's what we'd love to do. 
Well, man, it's just just mind-boggling what has happened there, and uh, I, I know a lot of work to to be to be done, and uh, I know a lot of people are, are gonna you know go back and and like like you said, some people aren't sure about the state of their homes, but it, it is a bit. I mean, I think your perspective is 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 good, Tom. Ultimately, you know you have a job to do, and that that hockey is important, and that sports can be a distraction. So I know you want to provide that entertainment uh, yeah. as best you can. And and not and, and for, you know first and foremost for the the the, the people, um, you know for McMurray the fans, but also for our players too. I mean you know they get lost in this where I know that a lot of them have you know been texting me or calling me saying Kex, you know can we do anything? Can we help out in any other way? I mean, um, for McMurray is one of those places where where you know we tell guys when we're recruiting them we're not only going to try and make you better hockey players we're going to try and give you the full life lesson and we're going to try and instill. Um, characteristics in you that will help you succeed later on in life. And I think when you look at the sports world and, and a team atmosphere and the ability to work together and, and not caring who gets, um, you know, the, the accolades, everybody knowing what their job, I think, again, this will be another life lesson for our for our players and, and for our community. Well, Tom, I wish you all the best. I'm glad you're you're safe. Obviously, it's it's great to have you back on the show. I hope we can do this uh, again and and focus on uh, on your hockey team and and, and getting things uh, getting things going again, man. All all the best to you. Listen, I really appreciate it. Reed, take care. That is Tom Kecka joining us tonight, the head coach and general manager of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. You heard him say, just purely from a hockey perspective, Piers the Arena uh, is fine. They they want to ice a team next year. Clearly, some of the organization and logistical things are going to be thrown for a bit of a loop um, over the summer. But uh, Tom's ready to go, ready to keep the Oil Barons uh, going. Hockey is very important in that community, as it is, of course, across the country. It is 8:18. This is Inside Sports on 6:30. Chat. I want to remind you that this portion of the show is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Still 3-1 for the Penguins as they try to close out the Capitals. The CFL draft almost over as well. The Eskimos still with one more pick. This is Inside Sports on Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, Justin Williams has scored for the Washington Capitals. Now 11-16 to go in the third period, and it is 3-2 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They also lead the series 3-2, but the Capitals not quite ready to go away. Not quite ready to go away. So we will keep you updated on that game. Western Hockey League tonight, it is uh, game three of the championship series. Brandon up two games to nothing on uh, Seattle. And I'm just checking here. And uh, Brandon makes it uh, 1-0 with an uh, early goal. So uh, Brandon leading the series and the game. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Great to have Tom Keck on the show. Uh, Super guy to deal with. As I mentioned, I know him from uh, Lloyd Minster. He was the coach of the Bobcats. And uh, now with the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, who he has worked with uh, in the past. I think this is actually his third separate stint as a member of the Oil Barons organization. And you heard what he said there. When they knew the fire was coming, they they watered the roof of their house because 
you want I mean, I, I mean I learned a few years ago when I was working for City TV here in Edmonton I got to be I do one of those they, they invite people from the media and and you, you do kind of firefighter for a day stuff you don't do anything nearly as difficult as they actually do in real life they, they keep it safe for you um, but, but they show you some things and that's what I always remember that they said when you're fighting the fire you're generally not attacking the flames where they are you're attacking where the flames are going to go and try to create conditions that make it difficult or impossible for the fire to spread in that direction by putting as much water i mean when a fire is that big it's extremely difficult to just completely put out by putting water on it out of a few hoses um so that's what uh, that's what Tom was doing, making the roof of his house as, as wet as possible so the fire wouldn't uh, spread if it did come to his direction. Sounds like he was lucky. Uh, the arena in Fort McMurray intact. It will be a, certainly a different summer for the Fort McMurray Oil Barons going through that. The CFL draft is, oh, I think it ended. Yes, it ended. And in the eighth round, with the last pick of the draft... The Eskimos take DJ Lalama, a linebacker out of Manitoba, with the 70th and final pick. So the Eskimos take two receivers, two defensive backs, and two linebackers. They take three guys from CIS schools and three guys from NCAA schools. Uh, and I think we still might get Eskimos general manager Ed Hervey uh, or and or head coach Jason Moss uh, before the end of the show to kind of recap the Eskimos draft. The, the Eskimos drafted 8th and 17th. They did not draft again until 44th. So they didn't have picks in uh, rounds 3 and 4 tonight. And obviously uh, they were the last team going in every round when they did pick because the Grey Cup champion gets last in the draft order. So we'll uh, we'll kind of put the capper on that for you as we move along into the final half hour of the show. Uh, Laval, three offensive linemen taken in the first round of the draft. Since 1999, only two CIS schools have had three teams taken in the first round. Calgary was the other one. They had three back in 2013. Laval, uh, an absolute powerhouse in CIS football. You can text us to 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Reed Wilkins with you. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 8.30 news, and we're back with more from Commonwealth Stadium. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, it's gotten pretty tense in Pittsburgh. The Washington Capitals have 29 seconds left on a 5-on-3 power play with 7.57 left in the third period. They are trailing the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-2, and they are trailing the Penguins also 3-2 in the series. But a great chance to tie it up. At one point, they were down 3-0 in this game. Ovechkin had a one-timer about 30 seconds ago. Matt Murray got across and uh, made the save. Capitals really coming to life after looking pretty flat for the first half or so of this game. The Penguins are going to kill off the two-man disadvantage. The Capitals will still have a bit of a five-on-four to go as they try to get back into this one. Only game in the NHL tonight. They still have a minute four left on their power play. And did they shoot it out again? The refs are discussing this. This is really interesting. Because what happened was the, the the two penalties that put the Penguins down five on three were both 
penalties for shooting the puck over the glass. Kunitz at 10:32, Benino at 11:38, and now as we watch the replay, yeah, that is. I think that's straight out. That didn't go into the bench. That I think that went over the glass behind the bench. So this could be three straight. Yeah, they're just showing the replay. This is, I think, going to be three straight Pittsburgh penalties in just over two minutes where they get a delay of game for shooting the puck over the glass. Man, I, I know a lot of people hate this rule. And, uh, yeah, they're making the call. I, I know a lot of people hate this rule, but it is giving the Washington Capitals a chance to tie this game. This is crazy. So now another five on three. Yeah, this one's going to be for a minute four now for the Washington Capitals. This is nuts. I mean, we've talked a lot about the... The video replay this season, especially this postseason, the, the rules a lot of you don't like. Uh, certainly the offside challenge is one that become hasn't pop, very popular. We had some kerfuffles, specifically in a few Oilers games with goaltender interference. And this was a rugby. We've had this rule now for, what, over a decade? You get a penalty for shooting the puck over the glass, a delay of game. Um, but we've kind of we've gotten used to it and stopped talking about it, but I know a lot of people still hate it. And uh, Ian Cole gets the penalty, so he goes off to the penalty box for the Penguins. I mean, this this is crazy. Three in a row. Three in a row against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and like I said, about, about two minutes apart. So now the Capitals with another chance to tie the game. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chad. It's 835. Please be joined by the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. Jason Moss, who's taken a uh, glimpse at the TV. I know you're incredibly busy. Do you get into the NHL playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I'm a whole Oilers fan, true and true. So when they're not in, I'm not as excited. But uh, <laughs> I definitely like great hockey, and I think the NHL playoffs provide you great hockey. And nothing quite like the Stanley Cup celebrations. So. Were you uh, into hockey before you moved here? I was a big Gretzky fan, so just like everybody else around here, growing up in Arizona, that's rare to find. But uh, I can remember still going to it uh, when he became an LA King, going to two games when I was in grade seven and grade eight. So I was a big Gretzky fan, not so much a hockey fan, I guess. <laughs> All right, well that's often and the and they tie it up. Oh, John Carlson ties it up, and they'll still have a power play. So the Capitals are back in at 3-3, and and everybody was writing them off when they didn't play well for the first 30 minutes of this game and uh, came back a little little bit like the Eskimos in the Grey Cup. <laughs> the yeah. capital site. I know you, I know that's not a good memory for you because you were still in Ottawa Red Black at that time. Uh, Jason, thanks for joining us. You guys drafted six players today, a couple of wide receivers, a couple of defensive backs, and, uh, and a couple of linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, were you targeting those positions or were you doing the old BPA thing, best player available? Well, part of it's best player available, but also, you know, those are the positions that we felt like we need to have guys in camp that can compete with each other. So there are positions of need as well. Um, I know everyone's looking at the O-line, not taking one, but that's not really a position of need for us right now. So uh, receivers-wise, Tavon Smith was highly ranked on our, our board. I think that highest ranked guy and when he falls to you at eight 
you know, you, you know what type of player you could potentially be having if he doesn't get his shot. Well, doesn't uh, do well with his shot down in Indy. Um, and then Arjun, I mean, shoot, I thought he was the best DB in the draft. Looking at him, um, you know, played Michigan State and started as a boundary corner. And I feel like he can play free safety or Sam linebacker in our league very easily. He's physical. He covers well. He covers a lot of space. He moves well. And, uh, you know, playing in the Big Ten, I know he has to be physical in order to do that. And when I watched him blitz off, uh, blitz from the corner position or blitz as a linebacker, he looked great. So, and then our receiver, or, or Corby, fast, one of the fastest receivers in the draft. Um, didn't expect him to be where he was. And then Woodman, um, he's a DB, he's long, he's rangy, and felt like he's uh, going to provide something in camp too to be able to compete. And then you look at their two guys, Parrish and Lalama, that we picked at the end. I mean, both of those guys, you know, Parrish has roots in Edmonton, was born here. Um, so I, I feel like that'll be a good thing of him coming home and um, competing for a spot. And then Lalama, I mean, you watch him, he's a middle linebacker, starting middle linebacker in the CIS for a good, organ, uh, good uh, great uh, CIS team in Manitoba. And he, um, you know, plays with a passion and a, a fire and was all over the field when I watched him. So, you know, you're excited about those two guys to be able to come in and compete. Now, Lalama was just with the New York Giants basically over the weekend. Yeah, so I mean, they, you know, I, I realized the Giants had about 16 Canadian guys come up yeah. from their mini camp and take a good look at the, our Canadian kids. Um, but in order to do that, you got to be able to run, you got to be able to play football, you got to be good, and good enough to be able to get that invite. And that's what I looked at him. I mean, he looks like a football player. I mean, you watch him run around the field, and he's sideline to sideline. He he reacts quickly to what's going on. You can tell he's a student of the game. And you know, you talk to him after we draft him, and he says he's got a boulder on his shoulder. So that's a good that's a good sign. <laughs> Um, Jason Moss joining us on Inside Sports. I mean, one of the old saying, when I remember when I was a kid, I would watch games on TV and, and the commentators would say this, and I always thought it was kind of weird. But they used to say, well, for every rookie you have in your lineup in football, that equals a loss. I guess maybe it was in your starting lineup. I don't know if it's quite, I don't think it is it's quite that simple. We at the media tend to do that sometimes, though, over, try to oversimplify things. But what's your approach towards um you know, having rookies in the lineup, what they have to prove in training camp, uh, you know, when they're against a, a veteran, is there any different uh, treatment or mentality with them, or how do you approach it? No, I don't treat them any differently. I mean, they obviously have a, a steeper learning curve than your veterans have. You expect more out of your veterans because they've been it, been here and done it, particularly the CFL game. And the CFL game is so much different than down south. And at such a different speed than the CIS game. So when rookies come in and compete, you you don't expect or you don't have anything other than saying, hey, you need to work your butt off, you need to pay attention in meetings, you need to listen up, and you need to give everything you got on every single play. That's all we care about as coaches. That's what we want to see, and we want to see improvement every day. Um, but we're not saying that a veteran has to start in a position. If a, vet, if a rookie is better than a veteran, the rookie is going to play. I'm not opposed to having rookies play and start for you. Um, but the benefit of the doubt always goes to a veteran. So if you're even with a veteran, you're generally not going to beat them out because I know what a veteran provides. Right. Um, but if that rookie is far, and be- far away better and it, there's no – competition there and he's made it that point to that point you got to give him a chance and then you rely on the, the players around him to show him the way and to pick him up when he's down and when mistakes get made you know you, you, you're still hard on him just like you would be anybody but you understand at that point 
there's going to be that learning curve, like I said. Eskimos head coach Jason Moss joining us on Inside Sports. I just want to ask you a couple other ones, non-draft related, but I want to ask you something that I was discussing on the show in the last couple of weeks, and I know a lot of Eskimos fans were asking me, and I can only guess. So I'm going to ask you right now, will, will your third-string quarterback also cover punts? Uh, right now, he's still slated as our third-string quarterback, and I think it's an advantage for us. Um, if someone doesn't come in and beat him out, then most likely that guy's going to be able to do that again. Um, I do I, I do know this. You know, down in minicamp, he, he looks the part to me. He looks like he can be a quarterback and do more than just run the ball and do more than just do our special team. So that's a good sign. You're talking about uh, Jordan, Jordan Lynch, Lynch obviously, obviously, assuming uh, he, he does have that spot. I found that very interesting. That was how, uh, how uh, Chris Jones used him. Well, you know what? That, that, that was actually my last question. I only, okay. had, well, I only had one more, not two more. I know you had a, a busy night. And, uh, uh, well, how was your first draft as a head coach? I'll ask you that to close it off. Did you enjoy I mean, the experience? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you sit back and, you know, you see the fruits of your labor of, of Rob and, and Ed's hard work they've put in. You know, the coaches have a um, a role to do. It's not quite as large as what those two guys, two gentlemen have. Um, but, you know, we still rank our guys and watch the film and give our input on guys. And then it's nice to watch it all come to fruition on, on draft day. And there is some anxious moments. That's the coolest part about the draft. You know, you're always targeting certain guys and seeing certain guys, and all of a sudden a guy gets picked and you have to move on. But, uh, you know, that's the cool part. And I know enough coaches around the league to kind of try to wonder <laughs> how they're thinking too and what they see in guys. So. Um, everyone and every situation is a little different. So it was a lot of fun and enjoyable. So, All right. I think Can we make a substitution on the fly here, Jordan? Awesome. Jason, thanks for doing that. No problem. Eskimos head Have coach a good one. Jason Moss and now uh, general manager Ed Hervey, done with some of his uh, other responsibilities, is going to uh, join me as well. First of all, was that a fist pump when you saw the score? It, it was. I actually want – I enjoy watching um, – Game seven, so I'm. I want to see a game. You seven. just want game seven. I do. Okay, I, I do. wonder if there was an Ovechkin thing or. I like. No, I don't think anybody wears 81 for. <laughs> I like Ovechkin. I do. I, I like Ovechkin, but but um, I've come to appreciate uh, the the game sevens of the of the NHL. Right. I mean, very much so. I mean, you know, you see it all the intensity in which they play with the passion and. Loser goes home, and you can't get any better than that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, you're uh, maybe making some new homes for uh, for players. Six uh, young men have been drafted by the Edmonton Eskimos tonight. As, uh, as I mentioned, two are receivers, two are defensive backs, and two are linebackers. Just positionally, uh, you know, are you happy with that, or, or were you hoping to go an old line whatever pick another position type route how, how, how do you feel about the, the position distribution no we felt uh, really we feel really good about our positions going into this draft um, you know, we were not uh, in dire need to draft an offensive lineman I think the, the last piece of the puzzle going into this season was the acquisition of Christopher Greaves uh, from from Winnipeg last year and in having drafted uh, Danny Grew and David Beard you know, we, we felt pretty strong at that position as far as depth was concerned. And if you go back to last season, you know, on draft day, um, Matt O'Donnell wasn't here. Matt O'Donnell was in Cincinnati. Right. We weren't sure what was going to go on there. Simeon Rotier was nursing, uh, you know, an, an injury, a knee injury, and we, we figured he was going to be out for the first half of the season, if not a little longer. Um, you know, we were, you know we, were, we were somewhat thin on the offensive line, so we, we were kind of in a position where we were 
you know, we had to draft offensive linemen. We drafted two of them. And, um, you know, we made a move in the middle of the season to get a, a third. So um, today's draft was basically addressing some areas that we felt needed to acquire some depth at, and but also making sure that we were in position to draft the best players on the board for us. Um, it's been a while since we've been in that position. Uh, it is a bit of a, you know, it is a slight risk when they're in the NFL, but Again, that's the type of talented players we want here. We want those kind of players here. And, I mean, if you have to wait, you have to wait. I was explaining to the guys in the back, uh, to to Jason and Rob, I says, in cases like this, you know, if they're out away for a year or a season or two, you can always fill that void through free agency. You know, a guy can come in and fill the role. But when those guys, if those, when and if those guys eventually show up, you're getting some extremely talented players. And, and, I mean, that's what this sport is about, to make sure that, in the draft especially, is to make sure that you do your responsibility, responsibilities, do your due diligence to get the best players that you can draft for your football team. And, and we feel like we've done that, with those, especially with those first two, but with this draft in particular. Eskimos head coach Ed Hervey joining us on Inside Sports at uh or uh, general manager. Oh my goodness! I just had Jason here. You're the general manager of the team, not the uh, not the head coach. Some guys do both jobs in this league, but that's that's a story for another day. Yeah. Uh, GM Ed Hervey with us. It's a three-three late in the third between the Penguins and the Capitals. Uh, um, I mean, I know you want all these guys to be Eskimos, but you mentioned NFL opportunities for a couple of. Is there and maybe, and maybe you don't even want to share this with me, but is there a number that you would be happy with out of these six if they wind up at camp or on the team this year? Well, the opportunity is in front of them, mm-hmm. right? We put the opportunity there for them by drafting them and giving them the opportunities. Uh, what they do and what they show, you know, they, they were drafted because we feel like they have the ability to come out here and compete at a high level. We believe they have the speed and athleticism in the, in the football acumen to come out here and compete. Um, but again, as you know, football is a grueling sport, but, you know, we, we feel very good about them. And we hope they feel good about us and coming into this situation. It's a very deep uh, group on that on the Canadian side. But, I mean, hey, that, that's what this is all about. And for those the, the two that we selected first, our first two picks, you know, again, when and if they show up, you know, we'll, we'll embrace them as well. But the, for, the, for the pick and the selection of our team, I think this draft went really well for us. How... Uh, important. Well, I, I know it's important. So, so, I mean, how much digging do you do for for the character of a player, the mental strength, you know, the what's between the years, the the ability to handle adversity. I mean, how how hard do you dig to get all that kind of intangible type stuff? Well, that's that's priority number one outside of their abilities on the field is to make sure they have the character and the mental toughness to come in here and play. But not only to play, but to fit into an environment. That doesn't take uh, BS, right? We, you got to come in and, and and strap on the hard hat and, and work hard for everything here. And and you know, I mean, we want those kind of guys. And we're gonna dig. We're gonna dig. We're gonna ask a lot of questions. We're gonna talk to people that you probably wouldn't believe that we would get in get in touch with to find out about you. We're checking Twitter accounts. We're checking all those different things. And you know, everybody's different. You know, I mean, you got to again evaluate a player on a case-by-case and individual basis. But, I mean, there comes to a, a point where, you know, character has to rise above, uh, you know, some of the flaws that the player has in his past. And, I mean, you still, you know, you give guys chances, which is what we do. We, we want that to be part of our game. But, you know, character is extremely important to to me in, in the selection that I'm, you know, that I personally make. 
and uh, you know I try to instill that in our scouts and have them understand that you know you can win with character you can it, you know it doesn't always have to be a group that's ready to run into a house and burn the house down and steal steal all the jewels and you know all those different things you know you you want to have those guys who are you know, who possibly would do it, but not necessarily that already did it. So. All right. <laughs> Ed, thanks for making time for us. I know you had a, had a very busy day. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thank That's you. That's the GM of your Great Cup champion, Edmonton Eskimos, Ed Hervey, joining us here on uh, Inside Sports. Great to have him and Jason Moss drop by as uh, we wind down the show. Final check of the scoreboard when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. A pass to the blue line, across to Ovechkin, and looking to get it away. Now high in the slot is Carlson, changing places, Ovechkin goes that way, picks it up on the fly, gives it back to Carlson, and they score! They score! John Carlson has brought him back, and a shot that goes past Murray! It's a five-on-three! Power play goal, don't call it a comeback. Three, three here in game six. Well, we'll see how the Penguins handle this one. It looked like they were going to be cruising into the conference finals. They were up 3-0. The Capitals get one late in the second period, two in the third. You heard us talking about it earlier. The Penguins took three straight delay of game penalties for shooting the puck over the glass. The uh, Capitals finally got a goal on a 5-on-3 power play at 13-01 to tie it up. The shots in this game, 36-35 in favor of the Washington Capitals. Man, that is going to be a fun overtime. Got to love the playoffs. Ed Hervey loves the playoffs, loves the single-game elimination, which, of course, Every football playoff game is uh, is 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 like that. All right, so uh, the Eskimos draft picks. By the way, you can go to 630ched.com to the Eskimos page to get the full story. Also, some interviews that I did earlier with Jason Moss and Ed Hervey, specifically about their top pick today, eighth overall wide receiver Tavon Smith, who uh, is with the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, morally, the second pick, R.J. Calhoun, he's with the Cowboys. Is that right? Okay, so a couple of guys they don't know about, um, but Ed Hervey said they're willing to wait, and they didn't feel they, they needed to go out and get an old lineman or anything like that um, right now. So it's very interesting. It, it was neat to be here tonight. I never got to be around firsthand, kind of on the periphery, but still here as the draft was uh, was going on. So it was neat to talk to the GM and the coach as it happened, first of all, and, and then uh, immediately after. So we'll see how many of those guys actually wind up as, uh, as Edmonton Eskimos in the near or perhaps immediate term future. Uh, the Blue Jays playing the San Francisco Giants tonight. Just going to get this one for you here. Give me one second as I uh, do a little refresho on the flyo with the interneto. One uh, nothing for the Blue Jays already in the bottom of the third. Jay Happ pitching for the Jays, having a great year so far. 4-0 with a 2.50 goals against average. Seattle up 2-1 on Brandon after the first period in the Western Hockey League final. Brandon does lead the series two games to nothing. Canada plays Germany tomorrow. At the World Hockey Championship, Travis Hamannick of the New York Islanders has rescinded his trade request. Former U of A Golden Bear Chris Knobloch, now with the Erie Otters, has won the OHL Coach of the Year Award. Steph Curry, a unanimous choice as NBA MVP. And thanks to everybody who helped out with Feed the Fort 
and Chorus Radio Edmonton. Thanks to you, 211,000 pounds of food, water, and toiletries gathered for the evacuees out of Fort McMurray. That is some great stuff. The studio producer tonight, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is the vacationing Dave Campbell. Tomorrow on the show, brunch with the bloggers, Matt Henderson and Darcy McLeod, archaeological guy and wood guy, as they're known on Twitter, will join me at the 630 Chet Studio. Will be fun to talk to those two gentlemen. Uh, gentlemen, going to be a great show. Overtime, hope you're able to check it out. 3-3 Penguins and Capitals. Thanks to Morley Scott for his assistance as well. Tom Davies has been our chief engineer here at Commonwealth Stadium. My name is Reed Wilkins. Good to be back. Talk to you soon. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.